everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. Best moon face ever. Why do I look like I'm wearing loads of eyeliner? That's bizarre. <laughs> All I have on is mascara. Oh, it well. does actually. I know I look like Alice Cooper. I also need Botox, but that's another story for another day. How are we all? Well, I'm great. How are you? How was your birthday? Oh, <laughs> it was meant to be a quiet dinner. And then I was just, I sat there like ordering myself a cocktail and I looked up and like all of my friends were in front of me and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it was amazing. They're absolutely amazing. I loved it. Can't fault it. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was heavy for a midweek. But Emma knows I was on WhatsApp with her yesterday. Like, why is it only midweek? <laughs> At least it's Thursday now. Like tomorrow's Friday. I know, getting there, and then I've got my family birthday thing on the weekend, and I'm just like, oh, my, if I'm honest at this point, I'm a bit like, I've had, ever since lockdown lifted, I just feel like I've gone into, like, full social butterfly mode, and I'm kind of done now. I'm, like, done. I'm like, I need to back up a bit and just shut the door. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm over it. How are you? How's your week going? How's it been without me in your vicinity? I've missed you. It's only mm. been, what is it? We didn't speak since Friday. Well, I mean, we have spoken. We speak, like, every day. <laughs> Yeah, but I've not cotton. seen your face. Yeah, well, you don't need to see this because I have wet hair, but I'm very clean, so that's what matters. So, I, I can't get the questions up because I'm... I've, I've got the questions, but unfortunately, it's the day that um, there's quite a lot of text, and we both know how I am at reading, so let's see if I can oh, get through actually, this. actually, I can do it on my laptop. I don't know why I'm saying that. Thank God. <laughs> like, oh dear. Um, okay, hang on. So do, you, do we have any housekeeping at all? What, just while I get the questions up? Um, I hope everyone is enjoying their new gym workouts. Oh yeah, there's new workouts all around. I put in a savage upper body workout this week, which I'm already getting a lot of um, positive slash awful feedback on. <laughs> People are like, what are you doing? Um, yeah, I think that's most of the housekeeping. Okay, fab. Well then, let's get right to it. Guys, thank you as well for all of your lovely birthday messages. It was very, very sweet and kind, and I appreciate it. Um, okay, Megan Jackson. Hi, girls. I hope you're both well. I've been on 1,600 a day since April and hitting all my non-negotiables. That loss has been slow, but I'm okay with that. My problem is I'm overthinking things. I guess my main goal is not purely physique, but also health and longevity. I do want to be a bit smaller. I'm currently in the middle of a healthy BMI range, but I would like to build muscle for reasons other than aesthetics, if that makes sense. Not that an aesthetic goal isn't valid. I watched the BBC documentary on processed foods and I also listened to the audiobook Why We Eat Too Much. And now I'm having conflicting thoughts and it's affecting my commitment. The audiobook talks a lot about lowering your weight set point by avoiding, oh God, by avoiding, <laughs> 
by avoiding sugar and carbs, mainly wheat and omega-6 containing foods. And to be honest, what? That one came left of field. Wait, uh, wait, what? Avoiding? Wheat and omega-6 containing foods. Uh, yeah, no, I have heard that. Have you? I have Well, it's more that. like people obsessing over the omega-3 to 6 ratio. Fine, okay. Still, okay. Um, and to be honest, I just don't know whether I actually believe any of this or not. Have you heard anything about this? Then I worry about using protein powders and bars as they are processed. But in reality, I'll really struggle to hit my protein after fuck's sake. This is what's wrong with this messaging. Oh, it's not your fault, Megan. You're a victim to this just stupid... The mainstream media, don't take your health advice from them at any point ever, period. They are there to get ratings. They are there to sell magazines and newspapers and get hits on sensationalized head headlines. Get your health advice from dietitians, nutritionists, coaches, trainers, people who, are, who, who do this for a living. Anyway, okay. <laughs> um, it's given me 2% uh, uncertainty that Emma talks about. It's stopping me from committing 100%. And this is really slowing my progress down now. I don't know what I'm asking really, apart from some reassurance that I should ignore all the information and just crack on. Thank you loads, you are both completely fab. Okay, I'll finish off the point I was making and then I'll throw it over to Emma. The things that we care about, Re, your health, your longevity of life, and your physique results, all of the above, every single one of them, is that one, you're getting in the protein that we're telling you to get every day. We've said it a million times, yes, uh, protein powders and especially bars but also proteins are processed but it doesn't matter it's still derived from an essential amino acid source that we want you getting in your daily diet there's nothing wrong with you guys having processed foods there's nothing wrong with you guys having protein powder protein bars for anything no that it's absolutely fine this is really important again for health longevity of life and your physique also for health and also physique, especially if you're in fat loss, we talk about getting in fruit and veg every day. These are your micronutrients, your vitamins and minerals. They are essential for your health, okay? Absolutely essential. Not only that, but if you are in a fat loss diet, these are things which are going to make you feel full, satiated. They have a high thermic effect of food, which is fantastic. So again, for both physique and health, we want you doing that. Fats, we want especially women, but all of you to be hitting a fat minimum. Again, these are essential fatty acids. They're a macronutrient there absolutely pivotal for you to be getting into your daily diet for your health beyond that we do not care how you make up your calories you won't be able to eat a load of junk food if you're already nailing everything i've just said but you will be able to eat a little bit of junk food and guess what that's going to make you happy probably going to make you if you like junk food obviously not you don't have to but it's going to make you stay the course and it gives you a really nice life balance okay please just anytime you hear any kind of messaging about good foods bad foods you know, foods which are going to kill you, just please ignore it. Just completely switch off to it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I completely reiterate all your points there. I think what is quite hard about this is it isn't celebrities giving out shitty advice. Like, some of this is legitimate doctors. Like, there are cardiologists giving out fucking awful nutrition advice. And, like, I don't know if it's this particular documentary, but there's also a book that's out by a legitimate doctor who I've seen present at obesity conferences numerous times and I think what's missing and I don't know if it's part of like their narrative to sell that book is that it does still come back to energy balance you've just explained it in a different way like for example saying that it doesn't matter no that we need to focus more on what what we eat as opposed to how many calories are in it 
when you get to the end of their argument the point is that you eat less calories when you don't eat ultra processed foods which is another like really important distinction that is often not made processed foods aren't necessarily bad ultra processed foods potentially are quite bad to have a lot of those in your diet now we're talking about like essentially quote unquote junk food not like a protein shake and you could yeah. argue that basic i mean milk is processed because it's been through some kind of processing thing like bread is processed everything is to an extent usually that we eat a little bit processed that doesn't make it bad but these sort of like ultra processed foods which are pumped full of carbs and fats and make you want to eat more and more and more and have a huge caloric cost per bite for example that makes it really hard to stick to your diet because it just generally makes it hard to adhere to a, a reasonable calorie allowance and it, it means that you're sort of bypassing your hunger signals in a way as in you might actually be able to eat to hunger if you ate predominantly whole foods but you probably won't be able to eat to hunger if you eat processed foods or at least highly processed foods so even if you just do a really simple comparison of like a big chicken salad compared to a donut and they're both 500 calories what do you think you're going to be more full after like 100 yeah. the high protein high fiber whole food version so that's kind of a lot of what they're getting at i don't know what else you said in this um conflicting thoughts uh set point carbs and sugar and things like a lot of it is just overcomplicating something that isn't that complicated the other thing is like too much sugar is bad but you shouldn't be worrying about sugar in your fruit for example but a lot of you know added sugar is probably something that you potentially don't want a lot of in your diet so they're not like what's quite hard is you can't just blanket dispute everything because there's a lot of like valid points to be made but it doesn't dispute energy balance and it doesn't and actually dispute that like the way that we've broken down your nutrition on the ec method like you're hitting all the important things already. And then really, if you think about it, if you're already hitting your protein, you're getting your fruit and veg in, you're getting fiber in, you're hitting your minimum fat targets from good healthy sources of fat, you actually don't have that many calories to eat junk food with. And whether you choose to, you know, have something that you really fancy or whether you choose to bulk out your meals so that they're bigger and you're eating more whole foods, is kind of up to you and some people will find that they prefer to bulk out their meals and some people will find that they prefer to have ice cream at the end of the day it's it's really up to you and one of the biggest things that none of like the sort of documentaries you've kind of looked at have covered is like it, essentially it's the promotion of orthorexia in many ways like you're you're really pushing like only eating whole foods and that these foods are good and these foods are bad and that can lead to problems on a psychological level around food and they often don't look at like your behaviors around food and the psychology around food and all that side they're more just looking at the physiological responses to food which is only kind of half of the equation i guess or maybe not even that yeah this is the thing guys we all know we're not stupid if you were to eat only chocolate bars for the rest of your life that would be a fucking stupid thing to do. You would be incredibly unhealthy and you would you'd feel like shit. You would likely not look great. I mean, it would be a stupid thing to do. If you were to only drink alcohol in your calories for the next X amount of time, you'd probably die pretty young. It's it's common sense. We know what's we know what to be careful with and we know what we should be making sure that we're getting in our in our daily diets. Like I say 
you want to be careful with the alcohol, the junk food, the, you know, McDonald's every day. You don't need to be careful with fruit and veg, with protein. We know this, right? But Emma always says this, and I completely back it up. Absolutes are unhelpful in terms of pigeonholing anyone or in terms of pigeonholing, pigeonholing food groups. It's not reality. It's not going to serve you well. So what we have to do is we have to have a foundational understanding of this is healthy. This is going to serve me well. This is what I'm going to prioritize in my day-to-day -day diet. And that when I say prioritize is in these are my, I, I, every meal for me, and I'm sure Emma's the same, every single meal for me is built around protein and veg. Like that is how I structure my diet. And then if I decide that I want to try the new grenade protein bar or go out and have, you know, three gin and tonics or half a bottle of wine or whatever, I fit it in. And like we say, this is how you stay the course. This is how you have a good mental relationship with your life and food and whatever, and how you have a good physical relationship with your life and your body. And it's commonsensical. So you don't need to be going down some whole rabbit hole of what happens if you eat a tablespoon of sugar. We don't need to do that. Um, and you will go down a rabbit hole and you will completely complicate it. You will completely freak yourself out and you'll give yourself a complex. So you d just, just be very, very wary of that. Yeah. And I think that like, I completely get where you're, you're coming from and it can be overwhelming and I'm glad you asked this question. And like, I mean, I fell for it to an extent as well. Like I remember reading this book on how how bad sugar i think it's called sugar nation and essentially it's like yeah, I, I know that book. yeah yeah so you he cut out sugar and he cured his own diabetes and i remember like cutting out sugar and like cutting out carbs and then my mum just being like but you're not diabetic and i was like yeah. oh yeah <laughs> that's true actually i don't need to do that and i think we sometimes forget the context of things and like not not that we are scientific proof here because we're not in a study but like chloe and i eat sugar Chloe and I eat like quote unquote ultra processed foods now and again. I would say we're quite healthy. And that I'm not saying that that's proof, but I'm, it's kind of proof of concept that, you know, these doctors that are saying this or these researchers that are saying this, like aren't really looking at it in a real world context. It might be that, oh my God, when we do this to a mouse in a lab or when we put a hell of a lot of omega-6 in a petri dish like this happens and there's not enough omega-3 here but like what's the actual practicality of that like does that happen in the human body with a normal diet for most people probably not is it a good message to eat largely whole foods and reduce your ultra processed foods intake yeah 100 percent. we're absolutely behind that but it's also not beneficial from a human behavior standpoint to ban foods or to say foods are bad or to scare you from certain foods so it's all about like context and the poisons in the dose, isn't it? Oh, exactly. That's and that's and Emma's right. You know, it, if you look at the, the ketogenic diet on some disease states, predominantly epilepsy, but there's a few. There's a there's a handful. It's phenomenal. You you can cure um, not only symptoms, but you. I mean, you you can really cure like the like the entirety of having to live with having X amount of seizures a day. Should I open the nothing anyway? Um, <laughs> um, sorry, got very distracted there. Um, with your diet, and that's phenomenal. But does that mean that Emma and I need to go keto to be healthy? No, not at all. Like not even. It, it's just yeah, and it's um, and I, and we've talked about it again before. Like a lot of the studies that you see them doing, they're doing on mice, they're doing on rodents, and it's fascinating some of the research that we see. But we aren't that. 
it's just take everything with a pinch of, a pinch of salt a pinch of salt and just keep common sense at all times okay we've got a post question i was just going through the, the post here while you were talking em we've got quite a long one guys just do us a favor if you do have a question for the live do put it in the thread um because we might miss it otherwise so question for the lives later this is for denise armstrong two-part question and probably a bit long currently averaging 16 1700 calories per day four days in the gym 10 steps a day not a huge scale weight difference but i've absolutely zero emotional attachment to the number i track my weights and i can both do more reps and lift heavier so this is positive i don't look any leaner as such and i still have my skinny fat mainly around my tummy but it's early days i started creatine this week however Goal is to reduce my body fat slash lean out and gain some muscle definition i read somewhere this week that it is difficult slash impossible to lose fat and gain muscle at the same time to lose body fat is to be in a calorie deficit and to gain muscle you need to eat at maintenance i'm not confused as to which i'm confused as to which one i should be doing do i stick to a slight deficit i.e stay on the above calories or do i increase my calories up closer to maintenance to gain some muscle and sort of cut in a few weeks time my short-term goal is for a wedding in october and i've got a second wedding in december but that's more of a long term last okay okay well, we'll just finish it lastly if i'm at maintenance will it be obvious over time in terms of appearance and body fat i couldn't care less about my scale weight but i don't want to look like i've totally beefed out during covid it sounds vain but i've always been quite lean so in short, is fat loss and muscle gain mutually exclusive, feeling a bit delusioned? Okay, so we talk about this all the time, but yes, it is absolutely possible for you to lose body fat and gain muscle at the same time if you are uh, what we would call a newbie. We, people in our industry term it newbie gains. Um, and, and basically what it means is that we can put you in a calorie deficit and the stimulus, I think it, it, it's, on set on a resist on a on a kind of resistance trained individual of I don't know let's say four or five years I can't remember the exact timeline uh, the st the stimulus uh, the response to the to the training stimulus in terms of hypertrophy is thirty something percent and for a newbie it's sixty something percent so it's quite it's quite significant and it, it's and yes it is absolutely possible add to the fact that if you have a lot of body fat stored body fat is stored calories so we can put you in a deficit. And if you have a lot of body fat on you, we can still build muscle at the same time. Those are really the only situations when it's possible. If you say to us like you've been training in the gym, lifting weights for a few years, this probably doesn't really apply to you, especially if your programming has been on point. Um, and you would probably have to either kind of, I would say, yeah, if you have some body fat to lose, maybe start at maintenance just a smidge above and focus on muscle building and park your appearance at the door because you're probably not going to, see any big changes for a while i mean you know you would you would really hit body recomp if you're not gonna you know yeah i mean it, it would take a while it will take a good while or what we can do is pick your goal of i want fat loss but i also want to maintain the muscle that i already have hope hope to build it really focus on on lifting really focus on progressive overload and hitting your protein and put you in a deficit so you can lose fat but is it likely if you have mature muscle mass, like a density of muscle that you're going to build in a deficit? Likely not. Emma and I wouldn't be able to do that. But I'm sure that there's a vast number of you on the EC method who could do that. 
Um, so really, we need to know a little bit more about your training history, number one. And number two, you need to pick a goal, get really excited by this goal, and, um, and, and then talk to Emma and I about like long-term body recomposition hopes and dreams that you have, and we can kind of map it out for you. Emma, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, the only thing I would add is that you mentioned like, should I go into hypertrophy for a couple of weeks and then do a cut? No, absolutely not. Because it's going to take so long for you to build muscle that a couple of weeks in hypertrophy is going to make absolutely no difference. And it's essentially a bit pointless. So you need to be in a surplus for a decent amount of time if you want to have built any muscle. What I will say is that I'm more and more convinced that the surplus that you're in needs to be very, very small, if anything. Yeah. Like, I think you can probably build muscle at maintenance. You just have to accept that it's going to be pretty slow. And you have to accept that, yeah, it's going to be slow and that you might not see necessarily the changes. So you certainly won't see them week on week. You might see them month on month, probably looking at even longer than that. So what you really need to get focused on is the process to get there. So you need to make sure that every single day you're nailing at least three servings of about 30 grams of protein, 25, 30 grams. You need to make sure that you're resistance training, but you're also recovering well enough. So don't just think more and more training is going to build more and more muscle because it's not. I've actually seen as much like Chloe just said, oh, uh, Emma and I can do that. But I actually think I have been able to build muscle around maintenance. And again, like I'm not it's very hard to know if you're actually exactly at maintenance or you're in a surplus, but I've dropped my training volume. And I think because my recovery is so much better, I've probably been able to build a little bit of muscle. So it's making sure that you're hitting all of the things that we know that will build muscle consistently. Like that's essentially your goal. Now let the outcome take care of itself because you're not going to be able to measure how much muscle mass you've increased within a six week period. If you're quite new to resistance training, you might be able to see phenomenal results in that period of time. But if you're not that new to resistance training and you don't have that much body fat to lose, then yeah, the likelihood is you're going to have to accept slower results. But also, I think some people get annoyed at that. And I'm like, yeah, but look, like most people want to be where you probably are at the moment. And as, as long as you start like making sure that you enjoy the process and focus on the process as opposed to the outcome, then you will get phenomenal results. Yeah, I agree with the point on maintenance. Being at maintenance or like just the tiniest percentage above is absolutely enough. I, yeah, it's not, it's not, you, you, you never need to like basically gain loads of body fat in order to build muscle. I mean, a little bit, maybe, yeah, you know, because you're not, you're not in a, in a deficit anymore. And I know like, you know, I, I will typically gain like, gain a bit gain body fat back if I'm not in my deficit and that's that's normal for me I don't really tend to like maintain a very lean physique um but it's absolutely possible to not basically fucking balloon and to build muscle but Emma's right it takes time that I think I you know we've had clients before and we still have them now who are like I've how you know I've been doing this I've been lifting this I've been in the gym for nearly a year and I still don't see anything and it's like it takes time and also like a lot of the time I think initially although you know hopefully not after a while especially if you're with us people aren't necessarily training properly and they aren't really hitting all the non-negotiables because even behaviorally that takes time the kind of like how you train how you lift your understanding of hitting failure your understanding of volume your understanding of protein and even like and you know I, i'm careful to say this because i don't want people thinking that they have to eat every three hours to get muscle but 
even meal timing, especially around training. And like Emma said, adequate rest and recovery that behaviorally takes time, not just the actual, you know, physiological process of muscle hypertrophy. So yeah, it, it takes a minute and you've got to be patient. Yeah. And the, the other thing is you can't really speed up that time by just adding more and more calories, which I think is what people think. They're like, oh, if I'm in a bigger surplus, then I'll be able to build muscle quicker. No, you won't. And actually the benefit of the extra calories is saturated quite quickly. And a couple of people have done the calculations on this and there's quite a lot of nuance to it, but it's roughly you need to be to build like the amount of muscle that I think this was done on a man as well. So it's probably even less for a woman, but it's like a 50 calorie a day surplus. Yeah. But given that women build muscle at a slower rate than men, it's probably even less than that. So you probably want to overshoot that. And a lot of this also depends, like there are so many, it depends. But for example, when I wanted to build a bit of muscle, maybe from but like after surgery, I got mega lean because I just wanted to prove to myself I could get lean again. But well, from, huh? Absolutely shredded right now. Well, I'm I'm like I've put on a, a fair amount now. But from this is my point. From when I was my leanest post surgery, I've put on about ten pounds. Most wow. people don't need to put on ten pounds, but because I got probably too lean, then I needed to put that on to be able to build muscle. So as much as, like, this is just where information gets taken out of context if someone else is like oh do i need to put on 10 pounds to build muscle no absolutely not but if you're absolutely shredded then yeah you probably do like it's not a anabolic situation to be in um so there's loads of considerations like some people will reach the end of their diet and they don't have to put on any weight they can build muscle where they are staying at maintenance because they've got a decent amount of body fat still other people have got very lean so realistically they probably do need to put on a little bit of body fat along with the muscle that they want to build yeah preach okay next one Joe Kitson. happy friday coaches i've been doing four workouts a week for a few weeks now two upper two lower and i'm thinking about adding in another so that i can use all of my monday to friday mornings i love a bit of routine and structure i do the home workouts would it be best for extra workout to do a full body or should i switch up three full bodies and then do one upper body and one lower body thank you no if you the more training frequency that you have the more appropriate it is for you to be doing body splits it's only when you're training like three four days a week that full bodies like is a really good idea um i would say if you're gonna if you want to do upper body if you want to if you want to do splits sorry do a core there are core workouts in there joe and um that will also allow you to recover from the lifts and also it will target an area of your body which is working in your lifts but i also throw some back stuff in there as well for core i think both in in upper body and core you've got some back bits which is good um okay also just on that joe look at emma's gym workouts and just see if you can do them with alternative exercises or even in their purest form at home because they're they're a good Okay, Charlie Harris. Hi, LLs. <laughs> this is my first round. I feel really positive about the program and I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the gym workouts. It's the end of week three now and I've not really lost any weight. I dropped 1.5 kg between day one and day two, which was obviously water weight. And now I've hovered within one kg of this for three weeks. Last week was my period, so I thought I'd wait and see what happened this week, but no changes really. I'm on 1600 calories and hitting 
this, my protein's on point, my steps are always 10K plus, and four gym workouts a week, plus one hour of cardio total per week. I don't have a lot to lose, only three kg more. I'm gonna stop you right there and say, your expenditure is perfect, so that can stay where it is. Yeah. Um, bring your calories down to 1500 if you want and I'd like to see photos if you say you only have 3kg to lose and I've been a frequent gym user for years so I guess I'm already relatively lean and this is more of a push for me but I feel like this is the most consistent and happy I've ever been with my diet and nutrition that I would be losing uh, and that I would be losing a bit more I don't get that bit I see changes in my progress pictures but my stomach is still always bloated why? The only thing that is not consistent at the moment is my sleep. Over the last couple of weeks, I've had four to six hours a night. I've been working really long hours, plus studying for two qualifications, and all of this has taken priority over my sleep. Could a lack of sleep be hampering my efforts, even if I'm hitting all of my non-negotiables? Or do I just need to drop my calories more, which I worry might affect my adherence? Or should I be patient? Send help. I really want to continue being consistent, consistent as I feel mentally and physically much better apart from the tiredness, thanks so much, kind regards, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie, so I'm just gonna finish up on that point. If you want to come down to 1500, do, don't do that. Do not do that if it's gonna mess with your adherence because we need that above all else because if you can get really consistent and stay really patient, the results will come. It's just about being patient. The reason the scales aren't dropping is because A, you don't have very much to lose right now. Um, so that's a huge factor in it. And B, if you are stressed out as it looks like you are with what you're doing, um, and a lack of sleep, the scales will be, they will be, they won't budge. They'll be stubborn, um, you're likely holding on to water weight. I wouldn't, especially if you're bloated as well, that kind of plays into that as well. And I would say be patient. And as soon as you find that you can kind of de-stress a little bit, you will just anecdotally from my experience, likely see the scales drop. But at this point you have so little to lose. I really would take your focus away from the scales and more on how you look and you actually say at the end here, you are looking a lot leaner other than being slightly bloated um, and you do look different and that's really the measure to go on when you're coming down in your weight like to this degree and I would really like to see some photos of you because I'm not convinced I'm not convinced that you even need to come down to 1500 to be honest um, yeah I, I wouldn't come down to 1500 for numerous reasons you've mentioned that you're so consistent that you're fueling your workouts that you look different like you are getting all the results that you want you're just annoyed that the scales haven't moved which is inevitable because the scales aren't sensitive enough to measure very small changes in fat which will be small when you just don't have that much magnitude of fat to lose so I'm not concerned by that at all you just need to sort of reframe that in your in your mind um what else was I going to say on this? Yeah, the other thing is, like, going from 1,600 to 1,500 really isn't that many less calories over the week. Like, you're looking at, what, 700 less calories over the week. So you need to be doing that for a good couple of weeks to even lose an extra pound of fat on top of that. So there's not a huge difference there. But where there is quite a big difference, especially when you're going from about 1,600 to 1,500 or 1,500 to 1,400, that 100 calories makes such a big difference in terms of your adherence and your enjoyment of food and your energy levels and your freedom and what, what you can eat and what you can fit in your calories. So it, it, as much as like 100 calories probably isn't going to benefit you that much to drop, I think it adds so much to keep it in. So I would stick to 1600, stick to being consistent, 
and I'm just willing to bet that two more weeks of consistency and you'll start seeing things. Yeah, I agree. And I think you need to find some time to chill out and catch up on some sleep and you'll feel a lot better um, in terms of your progress as well. Yeah, and um, like a little bit of tough love on that, like you will be better at everything if you sleep more. I know that it's like, oh, but I've got all this stuff to do. And it sounds like you're incredible. You're doing two qualifications, you're working, you're doing this, you're doing everything, you're hitting your non-negotiables. But sleep is so, so important. And actually you're going to turn up better and recover better from everything. It's probably more productive in many ways to get extra sleep than it is to do an extra hour of work. If, you, if that means that the hours of work you do in the morning are going to be that much more productive. So I know that that's kind of hard to get your head around, but four to six hours sleep is definitely not enough. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm just going to come down to one of those. Uh, Claire, she's chasing you on this, Emma, so I'm just going to get it done now. Hi, Clemma. <laughs> All in. I'm so in for that. Yeah. Clemma. Although it kind of sounds like clammy. Anyway. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah it she's put emma can you come back to me quickly on the above so, so this one's for you babe quick question read tuna with regards to mercury content how much is too much per day week the easiest way for me to have quick easy high protein lunch is by including 130 grams of this stuff but should i be limiting it to some a certain number of times per week there's so much conflicting info on google thanks for your guidance yeah, there is quite a lot of conflicting information and actually I wouldn't eat anything like really, really frequently if there's anything kind of like that. Like I just would, you know, a couple of times a week, fine. But even if you're just thinking of variety in your diet and getting, you know, a good variety, I guess, I probably wouldn't eat it more than twice a week, maybe. And there are really? so many other things. Day. Huh? I'd say one day is where I would probably draw the line. But you think once for like a few couple of times a week, I would have tuna once a day and not worry about my I mean, I probably, like, yeah, you're probably going to be absolutely fine. But, but, <laughs> but it's scary. I'm pretty sure I did that for a while. I have tuna, like, if I have it, it, it is one of the features in my diet, protein features in my diet for sure. Like maybe once a day and then I'll come off it and I'll do something else and like, I just don't, yeah, it's not something, if I, any, but like Emma said, any food that I was like eating a lot of, as you say, if it had any kind of potential negative health ramifications, just, yeah, be really mindful not to fucking overdo it. I do get that it's easy though, because it's in a can and... So easy, especially for like students. I always say it to students, like tuna protein powder. Yeah, although I'm always like, oh yeah, it's a really cheap form of protein. It's not that cheap, is it? Depends. <laughs> Depends on the brand. Not if you're talking about John West. And don't even get me started on Fortnum and Mason. <laughs> yeah, but you can't, this is one of the things like you can't go cheap on. See, if you get like own brand tuna that's not even chunks, it's just like mushed up, like... Ugh. It's like, oh, it's only 50p, but it tastes like hell. When I went travelling, obviously I went travelling. <laughs> in my gap year. Well, my gap year. In, um, 
Thailand, I got like, I didn't get food poisoning, I just got like a funny tummy and I just basically lived on tuna salads the whole time I was there. And the irony is that we were literally like in paradise, like beach paradise. And it was always just the most horrifically grotty, tinned, mushy tuna ever. Blech. I anyway. can think of nothing worse if I felt unwell. I wouldn't be like, mm, do you know what I want? Tuna. It was like literally the set every, I got so ill. And it was this, and I, this was, I went through phases. I'm sure we've all been there when we were younger where we like, I like certain meals and like stick with them. And it was the only thing I could see that I was like, I know it, I like it. I regret it now though. Um, okay, can you see questions on the live? There's no questions on the live. We're good on the live. Is this going out as a podcast? yes okay why I, I just didn't know if when we do it like this it could go out as a podcast you know how techie techie savvy we are yeah it can did you like um our shop yeah it was really nice yeah, yeah. yeah. but maybe we should change it to clemmy <laughs> clemmy okay kate dm Good morning and thank you for everything you're doing for us. My question, I am much stronger on one arm than the other arm due to carrying around this lovely 15 kg weight all day long. He is so cute. So cute. And that burger looks really good as well. So in order to get to failure, should I be lifting heavier on one side than on the other? Or will that just make it worse and eventually make me look like half trunchable, half slim doom? Thanks again. Don't insult trunchable, okay? Some <laughs> Some of us can greatly crunch. Um, so again, we talk about this one all the time as well. Um, it really, no, because a lot of lifts are compound lifts and that means they work more than just the, the area that you're trying to target when you do them. And we don't want you to develop other areas of your body unevenly. However, I will say if you can find a more isolated movement, and you want to do but like single arm or like well yeah arms is single arm stuff maybe with a very isolated movement and a single arm capable exercise okay but yeah i would say certainly so for example i wouldn't do like a i wouldn't do like a standing shoulder press on one arm heavier than the other but maybe i would do like i don't know a preacher curl or a lateral raise um what on, on just arm. one arm well i'm just trying to think exercises on your upper body on arms specifically which aren't gonna overly no not on one arm i mean go heavier on one arm sorry which aren't gonna overly target other areas so like i wouldn't be doing a press but i could i reckon a lateral raise would be all right a preacher curl will be all right i think Wait, so she's saying because, I mean, one thing would be make sure that you swap arms when you're carrying your son. Ah, yeah, there's, there's a solution. <laughs> like, just, just so you're using both sides. And also because, like, your back will probably twist one way. And, like, I've heard of loads of things, like, women getting back problems because they always have their handbag on one side or something. I don't know yeah. how legitimate that is, but... I do what think these... that if you're carrying your son a lot, then trying to swap sides would be a good thing to do. Yeah, I think that's better advice than my advice. But just for anybody who is interested in that kind of thing, like like I say, if you do want to go heavier on to, to hit failure with one limb, then you 
need to pick very isolated exercises, nothing compound. And you need to, the volume needs to be the same, but the intensity can be different. But even then, approach with caution. I personally wouldn't do it. It's just something to think about. Um, I really need to pee. So, you want to <laughs> Chloe, I really need to pee as well. That's why I stood up. <laughs> you first. You go first. Right, I'm going first. Question and then we'll swap. Okay, Nikki Cooley. Great name. Hi, lovely coaches. I'm on point with my protein and my calories, but I'm not seeing much of a difference in the scales. Total so far has been a six pound loss. That's great. This week I've fluctuated between 70 kg and 69 kg. All my workouts are getting done, four times gym and 10 plus steps. I'm on 1600 calories, so I just trust the process. I did take some pictures this morning and I'm looking less fluffy. I'm struggling to add any more cardio in after weights because my knee feels unreliable and not stable. Do I just get my head down and crack on and stop being in the knee? Thanks for all the support. It's been great. And I'm enjoying the structure of the EC method. Um, Nikki, it sounds to me like you're really on point. We are only on week four. Yeah. Well, no, wait, hang on. Is that? No way. We're on week five. We're only on week five. So for you to have lost six pounds in five weeks is great. Your weight will fluctuate day to day, week to week. What we want is a trend down. And that's what we're getting with you. If you hit that three, four week uh, mark and you are still stalled, come back to us and we'll reassess. But at this point, week five, six pounds down, you don't actually say how long you've been kind of stalled at for. But like I say, if it's before that three minimum, for that um, mark, we ain't changing anything. And it looks to me like you're, don't worry about the cardio, 10K plus steps, four workouts a week, 600 calories. It looks to me like everything's perfect. And I would say, yeah, this is about trusting the process, keeping your head down and cracking on. Um, okay, Emma's back. Emma, shall I read you this question? And then I, I'll, I'll go. I, I can read it, you can pee. Okay, well, on Katie Edmonds. Okay. Hi lovelies, loving this round and already feeling stronger and happier in myself, so thank you. A couple of podcasts ago, you talked about doing deadlifts with dumbbells rather than the bar. I gave it a go and it was a massive game changer. I was therefore wondering, is it worth me switching one of the gym deadlifts, e.g. legs, and doing these with dumbbells rather than using the bar and then using the bar on pull day? I'm happy doing deadlifts with the Olympic bar, but definitely felt like I was able to engage more muscles with the dumbbells rather than the bar and wondered if mixing it up was a good idea or not. Thanks. I would personally, and try this and see what works for you, because part of this is how you move around the bar and how you move with dumbbells and what just feels better and what feels like you're engaging more muscles. But I find that conventional deadlifts with the Olympic bar but then stiff leg deadlifts with the dumbbells is the best way to do it. So that's how I would do it. Okay, Katie. Oh, sorry, Kate. Thank you. Oh, sorry, Emma Story Gordon. It's my full name. Thank you for talking about diminishing returns, overtraining, and also needing other areas in your life to pro provide fulfillment outside of exercise. I have a very addictive personality and definitely falling into the trap. I cancelled climbing tonight as I am broken from a tough week of training which has been amazing for PBs in favor of hanging out with my friends. Thanks for reminding me the importance of, oh, sorry. So you hung out with your friends instead of going to do more training. Thank you for reminding me the importance of all of the good stuff. Oh, I'm very glad to hear that. Balance is very important and balance is so much more impressive than going all in in just one area of your life. Like if you can have a rich life in every area, then you're winning. 
Yeah, that was a very good. quick pee. Well done. Thank you. I um, I literally it took me so long to live my life by this rule. Like I, when I started doing this, I was like so tunnel vision and initially it was fun and it was fine and then it became really self-isolating and i didn't even really care at that point because i was just so entrenched in it and then all of a sudden obviously like real life happens and and then i fell completely the other way and then it was just like this horrible cat and mouse game all the time and with where i'm at now like i'm it's taken me what nine years well, it really started like a couple of years ago, but it took me a fucking long time. And now I have a, such a good balance and it makes me so happy. And I feel like every area of my life is thriving. And I just want to remind anyone that just like we always keep saying to you, like, this is a journey. This is a process. Enjoy it. Learn as you go. Like thrive every time you learn something new. It applies to this specifically as well. Like learning life balance with your goals, whether they're physical goals or you know, performance goals, physique goals, or, or work goals, your family goals. Like sometimes it really is a learning curve. It takes time. It doesn't just happen because you want it to. And, and yeah, I, I just want to say that everybody keep learning and kind of trying to grow um, and you, you will get there. Yeah. And also keep asking yourself these questions and reassessing yourself and trying to be quite objective about what you're doing and what you're potentially giving up and the pros and cons to different things and different situations. Like this is why we talk about the fact that you're going to get the vast majority of your results from the first three sessions you do per week. If you want to do more because you enjoy them, fine, but also you don't do more at the cost of spending time with your family or work or, you know, other areas of your life which are important to you. Yeah. Um, I think we've got a couple popping up on the live. Yeah, I've got one here. Hello, never normally listen live. Hi, Karen. This is very exciting. I've been doing heavier lifting lately and have started getting sore elbows is there anything i can do to help with this thanks huh honestly like i hate to just give this answer but see a physio because it's too hot like anything we say is going to be massively generic i would try and identify what it is that might be causing you to have sore elbows like is it doing push-ups for example do you need to look at form for a certain exercise but a physio who can assess you in real life is probably going to be better for that. Seconded. But also, we're very excited to have you here live. Yeah, is that uh, yeah? And then always. Ollie's got a question. Hey, I've been doing ab rollout. Should I come right up to vertical, or only up to about seventy percent, keeping my core engaged the whole time? Um, I would come right up. Not 70. I don't think I come right up to vertical. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I come, like, not right up, but I, I come far enough back, yeah. Well, you've got to complete the move, complete the movement, but you certainly don't need to. No, you don't need to, like, come up and. <laughs> um, okay. Any more on live? No, we're good. Okay. Jules, let's. Hi, gorgeous girlies. Dilemma question. How to choose between hypertrophy or fat loss is my goal. I want to build muscle. I also want to lose body fat. Do I need to build muscle first and then try to lose the fat or lose the fat first and then try to build the muscle? Thank you, ladies. Um, so I, if I were you, if you're really stuck between like, I really, really want to build muscle and like, actually I've got some body fat to lose, 
I'd probably go for fat loss, like we were talking about before, with a real focus and emphasis on getting your training right. So we always say three to five sessions a week, um, making sure that you're hitting failure in all your lifts, working hard, working with intent, lifting with the intent to build muscle. You know, mind to muscle connection is very real. Um, and making sure you're really getting that 20 to 40 grams of protein in per serving with it hitting a total of anywhere between 100 to 140, I would say is probably more than enough. Anywhere in that bracket per day. And, and, and really kind of, really, really try and see what you can do, re your muscle and your training in a bit of a deficit so you can lose some fat. And that's probably what I would say to most of you. Emma, what do you think? Yeah, I think this is such a hard question because we get the same question again and again in like slightly different ways. And it's hard to give a definitive answer because it depends on the situation that you're in. Mm. Like the likelihood is if you've got a decent amount of fat to lose, you can do both. And actually, given that most people haven't been training optimally, you can probably do both. So wouldn't, oh, yeah. they're not two distinct goals. And actually, like if you could, you can kind of just bundle body composition into one system. Like you want to improve your body composition. That means you want to lose fat and build muscle. You can do both at the same time. It's just the, the speed at which that, that happens is going to be dependent on A, how much fat you have to lose and B, how experienced you are in resistance training. And, and then I guess C, if you're actually giving yourself time to recover outside of those workouts and you're hitting everything else and you're getting in enough protein and your training split is spot on, which it obviously will be because you're on the EC method, that I'm, I'm really into this next one <laughs> like i didn't want to stop reading it when you're done i was like i'm really into this okay tracy knight who's been with us for a minute um hello lovely 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 lady oh, oh! It's, and it's a three from me <laughs> um i've been with you guys august and i was thinking about what i've achieved When I started, I was 55 kg, horribly skinny, no bum, no boobs, very weak with no muscle tone from losing so much weight after my bulging disc saga. I'm now 59 kg and I've been trying with the hypertrophy since last October, had a few hiccups along the way with back flare ups that stopped me from training for nine weeks, but I managed to walk and keep all of my calories and protein in. The difference that I see now is I find it so easy and normal to stick to my calories, my steps and my protein. I never feel guilty if I do go off track. If I want something, I'll have it. I also now notice days go by where I think I haven't even thought about weighing myself. Now I'm noticing that I don't really feel like I need to track and almost forget to as I can so easily just eyeball my food and pretty much know what I'm eating. I never really feel hungry, so I'm taking all of this as a big positive so thank you and i have nice firm boobs for an old bird <laughs> now if i can please ask my question lol after telling you all of this is i would like to lose a little bit of that but keep getting stronger with my workouts i'm on 1800 calories now how much should i drop down by i've stuck at 59 kg for the last four weeks on 1800 calories thank you and apologies for my long essay i I loved every word of it. I read it almost twice. Um, this is what time and patience and analyzing your goals and where you are will get you. Everything you've said makes me proud. 
like so proud it's just look this is life changing and this is what we want for all of you it might feel hard at first and like exactly what tracy's saying you might have hiccups where things get hard and you can't quite do it for a minute and that's life and that happens but the progress that you've made in terms of knowing what to eat in terms of being able to you know train hit steps and just having such a positive relationship with this lifestyle because we want that for all of you is a huge job well done as, as coaches and you as a client so tracy thank you for saying all that emma do you just want to touch on that because i know you'll have something to say about that yeah that's incredible like it's exactly what we want people to get and i think that i'm so proud of that as well because you've put on weight which i know has been like plowed into us as women for like since we were born basically that weight loss is always the goal and you're like okay i was too skinny and i put on this weight and i now feel better i look better I perform better my boobs look better like that's incredible and yeah now you can lose a little bit of fat if you want because you've you know you've recovered from surgery and you've put on the weight that you need to put on you've probably built a hell of a lot of muscle as well mm. um in terms of what to do now, I'd probably just drop your calories to 1600 for a little bit if you do want to lose body fat. But if you could, would you send us photos first just so we can see how much you actually have to lose? Yeah, I would second everything that Emma's just said and yeah, some photos because, you know, 59 kg is still still on the light side. I mean, typically we say anything under 70, we'd, we'd like to see photos and certainly under 60. Yeah. Okay, Sarah Orr, also a grad. Let me just get rid of this. Um, okay. Sarah Orr, hi lovelies, thank you for everything. I still have a lot to lose, but mentally I feel great. And aside from the terrible sleep, I have loads more energy. Question, are all steps created equal? I'm five foot 10 with a 34 inch inside leg. Whenever we do group walks, I always get a lot less steps for the same distance. So distance the same, steps less, which would theoretically be the more important factor, question mark. I'm not asking to drop steps, I'm just interested. Would it be the same energy expenditure regardless of differences in distance? I get slightly frustrated because it genuinely takes me an hour dog walk in the morning, walking everywhere at work, parking the furthest way, talking, taking the stairs, and a 30 minute dog walk when I get home to scrape in 10,000 steps. I hope that makes sense. So your energy expenditure for all of you will be different when it comes to steps. And this will come down to how much mass are you carrying? So whether that's muscle mass or fat mass, it will come down to terrain. Are you walking uphill? Are you walking downhill? Are you walking, you know, through a, a woodland or a, on a pavement? Uh, and it will come down to the pace, you know, the, the kind of the energy uh, with which you are giving this walk. It will come down to all of these things. And actually, I cover all of this on my podcast episodes, The Five Steps to Successful Fat Loss, Part 1 and 2. So make sure you go and listen to that. We can't tell you how many calories you're likely to burn. But what we can tell you is that a really nice kind of foundation to aim for um, is that 10,000 step mark. Um, and there is research to back 10,000 steps plus up um so yeah I just because you're taller um I wouldn't say you can lower your hit a lower step count um unfortunately Emma comments on her being taller so having to cover more distance to hit her steps yeah unfortunately you're probably more efficient yeah so you're probably like like Chloe saying there's so many things that come into how many 
uh, calories you burn per step, it doesn't really matter. Like this is going to have really no impact. It's still a really good measure for you to hit about 10,000 steps. Again, like step trackers aren't exactly accurate either. There's, you know, people have done comparisons between Fitbit and Apple Watch and your phone and they all say you get slightly different steps. It doesn't really matter as long as it's consistent. It gives a, you know, you're getting roughly 10,000 steps. It doesn't matter if it was actually 11,000 or if it was actually 9,000. It's just a ballpark figure to aim for. Um, but yeah, if you've got a lovely long stride, which I wish I had, then yeah, you might have to walk a little bit further technically to hit your step count. <laughs> lovely emma the hobbit <laughs> well yeah well yeah i've got short legs uh oh boo hoo you look amazing okay right lynn mallon i don't know why i really like that name lynn mallon um hello chloe and emma total newbie here looking for some advice currently on 1600 hitting my steps my calories, my protein, my fats, my workouts. I don't have much more to lose to where I would like to be, but I have been tracking for about a year and a half on 16 to 1800. I've lost 11 LBs during the first lockdown. I'm quite small in height. Should I drop my calories or stick to 1600? I know that EC is not a quick fix, but I feel like my weight loss has stalled. Emma. How long did she say it stalled for? She actually doesn't say, and guys, this is something that you guys need to start doing because some of you are like, uh say that you've lost uh, you know 11 lb since you started losing weight or whatever and then you ask us if you should drop your calories. don't give us context of how long it is that you stopped seeing results for so we do need that she hasn't said she just says she's lost 11 lbs since or during the first lockdown yeah so i mean that's incredible and you've lost a hell of a lot of weight which means that you have less weight left to lose if, especially if you're quite short which means that what I assume has probably happened is that you were used to seeing like one pound drop off every week or like quite substantial losses on the scales. And now because you have less total magnitude of weight to lose, you're not going to see that. And the scales won't be sensitive enough to see week on week the amount of fat that you're losing or to represent that in any way. So I've got a feeling that it's only been like a week or two since you haven't like since the scale the your weight loss has quote unquote stalled. I think you just need to keep being consistent and, and keep going and doing what you're doing. But do shoot us a message, like comment on that and uh, just let us know how long it's stalled for. Because probably like two, maybe three to four weeks of consistency before we would think about dropping. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Karen Cronin. Hi, I've had to shift my training around due to a heavy work schedule at the moment. and now training in the evening at 7 p.m which has been so good for my weightlifting and squats with my joints not being creaky at the end of the day. Huh? I've had to shift my training around due to a heavy work schedule at the moment. I'm now training in the evening at 7pm, which has been so good for weightlifting and squats with joints not being creaky at the end of the day. 7pm is the end of the day. Yeah, she said they're not creaky at the end of the day. Yeah, but she said... She's now training in the evening at 7 p.m. Yeah, so she used to train in the morning and her joints were really creaky. That's how I'm hearing it. Oh, not being so creaky at the end. Sorry. <laughs> I misread it slash misinterpreted it in my head. <laughs> I've been 
having my dinner early before training and I have a protein shake after. Is this suboptimal? No, that sounds perfect. Should I be eating a proper meal after for my muscle protein synthesis? No, a protein shake is actually optimal for MPS post-training. I don't feel very hungry after training that late in the day. P.S. I'm so happy the gyms are open, <laughs> even though it's been months now. Us too! I know, I'm still absolutely buzzing that the gyms are open. Like, it, the novelty's not worn off yet. No, me neither. And also, I'd like to thank my gym, who just hired this really hot new PT, even though he's about, like, 19 years old. And every time I look at him, I'm like, you're a baby, but I'm still like, thank you, Jim. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Kate DM. Again, maybe a ridiculous question, but do the dorms ever end? I remember before I started exercising in my late 20s after a lifetime as a pee dodger. Same. I always imagined these exercise people felt so amazing, fit and healthy. Five years into my fitness journey, I'm still shuffling around two days after every workout. Unable to lift my arms above my head after tricep work and hobbling down steps like an old lady after leg day. Am I doing something wrong or is it just that just life if you keep pushing yourself? I thought I would feel more like a ninja by now. So this is interesting. So no, I mean, I personally, I have to, there are some things that I will always get a little bit dormy on. Funnily enough, one of them is tricep dips. Another one of them is um, RDLs. Um those are two exercises where typically I'll still feel it. Um, but everything else I feel like I've pretty much adapted to now, unless I like don't train for a week or whatever, then I go back, then I know about it. Um, everything else I'm pretty much good with, but it is normal. I mean, it's not, it is and it isn't normal. Everybody's different. Everybody responds differently. James is the same. He cannot train lower body without being in an absolute hole. And that's actually more common for men with lower body than it is for women. But and he's been a professional athlete for years and we can talk about hydration we can talk about electrolytes we can talk about protein we can talk about adequate rest so making sure that you're not overtraining. um and let's say you're nailing all of these boxes let's say you're you know you're you're hydrated you're getting water in your salt in and all your electrolytes whatever your stretching is a good one making sure you stretch before workouts you're getting in your protein you're making sure that you are having at least two rest days a week um broken up in your training it is what it is and it's just your biomechanics and it's just your body um and those are really oh another thing i would make sure that you're getting in your fish oils um and yeah aside from that yeah there's not much to say i don't think emma yeah i think you've kind of covered that i am quite surprised after that amount of time i'm not surprised like this week given that you've just started a new training block but you know, after sort of four weeks on a training block, probably shouldn't be getting that much done. And actually after that amount of time, it's for me anyway, and for most of my clients, it's normally a sign of under recovery rather than anything else. Um, so I would just make sure that you're ticking all the boxes that Chloe just mentioned. Maybe take a deload week and see. I mean, I definitely have had clients who've come to me and this was actually me who've been lifting and training properly for like actual years and I've never had a week off training and I'm like maybe the time is nigh especially, maybe the time is nigh maybe it's nigh especially if you're like you do train properly you do train hard and you are like a lower body fat maybe if you're in a deficit like recovery is harder then and it is really important that you take care of your body okay should we do one more yeah 
Okay. Emily Clark. Hello, a gorgeous one. So I'm in fat loss bouncing between 16 and 1700 calories a day. This is probably a silly overthinking question. Again, my speciality. But if I hit my protein and fats, get enough fruit and veg like I did yesterday, and I have 200 calories left over, do I need to eat something else for the sake of just eating it to reach my calorie target? Or can I leave it? You can leave it if you're in fat loss, you've hit the pro you've hit the non-negotiables like you just say, and you've got calories left over, you can leave it yeah you can leave it but maybe just be considerate as well that like you often this happens and you're like sometimes absolutely fine but sometimes it just like piles up over the days and you're like oh yeah i feel fine on 1400 calories and then like if you do that for a couple of days you're like oh my god i'm ravenous and then you massively overeat so just be quite conscious of that um which probably won't happen i'm just putting it out there yeah it does it does happen you find that all of a sudden you you're hungry and then it's almost like oh well i haven't hit my calories so sometimes it can like psychologically snowball as well um okay then she says i think this is my problem i find it really difficult to find a balance i type in all my calories that next day the night before it's planned 75 percent of the day i eat the same things then i have space for a treat usually a small bag of crisps but then i suddenly have 200 left over and i don't know what to do this sounds perfect emily this is this is not a problem at all yeah, but I would probably like if you if you're consistently you've got 200 calories left, bulk out your meals a little bit more during the start of the day. Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, the, but your approach to it behaviorally is like pretty perfect. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. But then the silly mindset comes in on the weekend. I didn't uh, see this. What I just said. I didn't eat such and such over the week, so now I can have whatever I want. That's exactly what I meant when I said you might find that if you do that and then you do have a day where you're really hungry, you'll be like, oh, it's fine because X, Y, Z. And like that excuse mindset, that's the problem. Like, that's the thing that we're trying to get, get away from. We, we need a really kind of present kind of uh, awareness of, of you and your relationship with food and what you're eating and fueling your body. And I like how you say that you plan it and then you, you have a treat, like you have a bag of crisps. Like this is brilliant. That's a brilliant approach. But yeah, exactly what Emma said. If you're cut, falling short habitually and then, and then you fall into the fuck it bucket as a result of falling short, then we need to change that now. And exactly what Emma said, you need to start looking at your meal start the day and see where you can add things to it. Um, Chloe, you ask your mum about being a guest on your podcast. I'm scared to. Why? My mum is a very interesting person. And if I put her in a position where she feels like she has to say yes, but she really doesn't want to do it, it's going to be like a slog for me. <laughs> yeah, like I would hate to have my mum on the podcast. I'd love to. The thing is, is that if she came into it, if she, if, she, <laughs> so funny. if she came into it in like her best Judy mindset of like, I'm gonna, you know, we've all seen it. You see that interview that when she went on GMB and she just fully was like to Piers Morgan, I feel really sorry for Susanna. <laughs> <laughs> she came into it with that like Judy mindset or for it, me drunk at my brother's wedding on the mic going Judy <laughs> anyway no no there was no dance floor you're not allowed to dance at weddings that was um <laughs> that was a misspeak um anyway so 
she if she came into it like that she'd be fucking fantastic but there is also the other judy who could come into it hating every second of it and it would be a shit show of a podcast so you never know yeah i feel like my mom's quite similar like so you just don't know what you're gonna get like sometimes yeah. i'm like you the best chat ever like so incredible and then other days like no 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 there are times like i've gone having spoken to her so excited to go stay with my mom like in london for a few days i've left by day two i'm like no <laughs> this is not what i expected what i signed up for i'm leaving <laughs> you never know it's, it's a who <laughs> anyway so that's it for today we'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m yes if you have any questions put them in the question thread emma you have striations in your shoulder it's they're brilliant Nicely Thanks. done. Oh, oh, they're actually scars, not striations. No, when you move your arm up, you can see your delt definition. Uh, yes, look at that little lat. Yes. Stop. <laughs>